it's time for use of own security welcome back in this episode we will cover an actively exploited vulnerability whose importance cannot really be overstated well the internet is on fire someone put it in addition we will recap all the top trending security news which includes site isolation in firefox and microtech routers vulnerable to attacks all coming up next on use of on security this is use of on security episode 45 recorded saturday 11th of december 2021 critical vulnerability in lock 4j Mozilla Firefox 95.0 was released and it's new and that came out on December the 7th and the release includes major stable updates. There are also a number of features, one of which we will be interested in. Firefox releases their update via different channels, some, for example Firefox Beta, Dev and Nightly as well as the Firefox ESR and Firefox for Android. All of them have had that update. Now, Firefox is available on Microsoft Store officially now. Of course, the new release reduces um, CPU usage and power usage on Mac OS X. It also includes a site isolation, which is enabled for all users. This is the part that we are interested in. First, What is site isolation? Well, site isolation is a security feature in browsers, including Firefox, that offers additional protection against some type of security bugs. It uses some sort of a sandbox to make it harder for untrusted websites to access or steal information from your account or other websites. So that's really what the aim is for. Websites are typically not allowed to access each other's data inside the browser. And, and this is thanks to um, a type of code enforcement um, that is called same origin policy. We'll come back to that in a minute. And occasionally security bugs are found in, in code on malicious website, which try to bypass these rules, the same origin and the ability to not being able to read other websites. So imagine if you have a browser open and you have multiple tabs and each tab of your browser has different page being accessed. Or you might have the browser open multiple times um, on different windows, but they still are able to access each other's data. Now, if you are accessing your website on a public domain or and you're logged in, or maybe you're, you, you are accessing your intranet, meaning your internal corporate, um, or local resources within your organization, uh, other website that you are currently viewing on the same browser should not be able to eavesdrop or access to the other tabs, URLs, and the data that they have to. This is what the site isolation is referring to, and it's taking advantage, of course, of the same origin policy. 
The site isolation offers an extra line of defense, as you can see, to make sure really attacks are less likely to succeed. So it really makes sure everything is put apart and isolated. So that ensures pages from different websites are always put into different process and each running on a, on a sandbox that limits what the process is allowed to do. And it also makes it possible to block the process of the other tabs from receiving most types of sensitive data from the other tabs. And as a result, a, a malicious website will find it much more difficult to steal data from other sites that that user is currently viewing on the same browser, even if, if it can break some of the rules in its own process. Things that Probably that the, this protection is made possible by the following changes are, for example, cross-site, maybe cross-site document, cross-site data, such as JSON, BDF, um, HTML, XML, etc., and also um, some security checks. Now, I've mentioned the it enforces what it's called the same origin policy, and you might wonder what that really is. And this is really important for you to understand so that you can actually appreciate what this feature is doing. Same origin policy is a critical component of this approach, and it's a security mechanism that really restricts how documents or, let's say, script loaded by one tap pointing to one site, and that's an origin, right, of data, can interact with resources from a different site with a different origin, i.e. different location. It therefore helps isolate potentially malicious documents and script and other things that are potentially harmful and can dynamically be loaded by reducing uh, possible attacks factors. For example, it prevents a malicious website on the internet from running JavaScript in a browser that reads data from a third-party, let's say, webmail service, which the user is signed into. Or a company intranet, as I said earlier, which is protected from direct access by attackers by not having a public IP address. Maybe that internal resources are not actually exposed. There is no sort of a direct flow from the outside to the inside. But by manipulating and taking advantage of non-enforcement of site origin, this can be bypassed by attackers. Now, the definition of an origin is important to understand. And, and, and let's say two URLs have the same origin. And if the protocol that they are using, HTTPS, for example, and port, um, port 443, for example, if specified, and the host, meaning, you know, userfonsecurity.com, that's where my website lives, are the same for all, then that is maintaining the same origin enforcement. You might see this reference as, as well, scheme, host, port, tuple. Um, that's what is also referred to, or just sometimes referred to tuple. And a tuple is a set of items, you know, mathematically speaking, that together comprises a whole, right? So this is more of a, a maths-related definition. A generic form for double, trouble, quadruple, quintuple, etc. A tuple is basically a sort of, of, of item that really binds together um, nicely. So that's the site um, origin. 
So as I said, Firefox 95.0 brought this in, and it has obviously the sandboxing technology for all platforms that you might be running this browser on. And they call this RLBox. I yet to fully really get um, definitive information on what the RL stands for, but obviously we know box, um, you know, segregated environment. And this RL box, which is the sandboxing um, technology, is a new feature that Mozilla integrated in this version 95. It, it's designed really to 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 enforce that site isolation subcomponent to make the browser more secure. And Mozilla developed the technology in collaboration with researchers, um, as I read it, uh, um, at the University of California, San Diego, and the University of Texas. This feature, the R- RL box, isolates the, the, the following um, five modules in, in Firefox, which is the stable version um, in this initial um, version. And they put it a graphite, and you can go deeper into, into these modules. I will not go through each one of them. Graphite, um, Hanspell, Org, Expad, and WOF2, W-O-F-F2. And those are the five uh, modules um, that they are um, focusing on. Mozilla notes that the technology allows Firefox to treat the modules as untrusted code, which provides that the implementation is correct, could protect against zero-day vulnerability in the browser. Now, originally, this version 95, or this um, side isolation, which came in as um, in the 95 release was scheduled for Firefox 94. Now it comes in with this. And here's the info that I um, would like you to actually have a look. Mozilla started to test this side isolation feature all the way back on Firefox 70. And they rolled it out on the nightly channel. And I said earlier at the top of the explanation, there are different channels. Um, And that was back in last year, September last year, 2020. And the project was called then um, Project Fission, F-I-S-S-I-O-N, internally from what I read on various sources. um, And it aims to improve privacy and security significantly by isolating um, pages and third-party iframes. And a frame is what our modern websites all the way back to the basic HTML are made out of today. This side isolation is built on a new security architecture, apparently, that extends really the current protection mechanism by separating web content and loading each side in its own operating system process. Um, Now, by reading that, really, it definitely reminds me of they might be taking advantage of of containerization because you can easily pull that off by, you know, leveraging that new breed of technology um, that we definitely embarked on in the last few years. And if you're not up to date on containerization versus uh, bare metal versus virtualization, I think it's a very good time um, you've spent to understand those technology um, and maybe I would do a quick primer on this different technology that we actually are now taking advantage of um, and you know definitely that's what makes it possible. Now this new security architecture allows uh, the new release to completely separate code originating as I said from different sites and in turn defend against malicious sites trying to access ultimately sensitive information from other side that you are visiting. So um, once that is um, hit your browser, um, go and get it, certainly. Um, But if you are late to it, you probably need to do it now if you are a Firefox user. 
Now, Microtech routers vulnerability. Now, the researchers warn about continuous abuse of those unpatched um, routers. Continuous because this is not the first time. Attackers are still exploiting unaddressed vulnerability in an estimated 300,000 as reported by a research organization. Now, the security researchers from Eclipsium have developed a tool that enterprise administrators can use to scan their corporate network of their remote employees' home network for unpatched micro-routers. And I think that's important from an organizational enterprise standpoint. This has obviously been abused continuously because they lack of patch. Microtech is a Latvian company that manufactures networking devices for the home business and ISP market around the world. They are cheap, easy to um, obtain and buy, but they do provide um, robust um, network capability, um, a little bit above the normal home use routers, but not to the standard of an enterprise environment. This includes routers, switches, and wireless access points as well. And what makes Microtech devices popular is the computing power and the features they offer at a very competitive price, as I said. The researchers from the firm, um, Eclipsium, became interested in quote, studying the, the, the attack service of internet-exposed microtech um, devices after operators of the notorious TrickBot um, partners have used microtech to really push their attack further into organizations and users at large. Microtech routers are popular um, and they are easily exploitable with these unpatched vulnerabilities. Eclipsium had previously researched TrickPot, a Trojan known to serve as a malware delivery platform, um, including for the Ryuk ransomware. And when its creators added a module capable of infecting the low-level firmware, that is the UEFI, of victim computers, it became really serious. Let's have a look at the history of the Microtech routers abuse. As I said, several serious vulnerabilities were seen in the last few years, which have been identified at the core of the firmware, which is the Microtech's Router OS firmware. Um, this is what underpins the operating system under which the features that we've uh, discussed are delivering. Some of these vulnerabilities have publicly been available and it has been integrated into various partner and attack tool sets. The flaws include a number of vulnerabilities um, which have obviously CVE, which I will mention at least five. So the first one is the CVE 2018-7445 and you can see 2018. So we're going back all the way to 2018. And that was a buffer overflow. It affected version, if you're still running that, 6.4. 1.3 and lower. So, and that related to the SMB service when processing NetBIOS um, session. And SMB is the same protocol that has been abused on the um, ransomware attack back on the 2017, um, such as the WannaCry. The next CVE is CVE 2018 again, 14. 847, and that was to do with um, exploit on directory traversal. So when you are actually browsing through directory, that was actually abused as well. And that related to version 6.42 and lower. And the next two is um, the following year, CVE 2019-3978 and CVE 2019 
3977. And this is related to what is referred to DNS cache poisoning, um, which is really serious, of course, when your DNS is commandeered. And DNS is the domain name service. How your machines are finding um, resources out there when you browse and click or you point it to your process and script, how they're actually locating the resources. It's the protocol called DNS that is behind that. So all of that was obviously issued and abused, and the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, um, included a um, CVE 2018-14847 in its catalogue of commonly exploited vulnerability, which um, uh, you will be able to see it in the show notes. In addition to, of course, um, doing the generic Infection compromised micro two obviously led to routers um, have been used to inject web-based crypto mining script. And of course, crypto mining is a very lucrative um, tactic for attackers to make money fast. And how many vulnerability micro two routers are out there? Well, the research organization Eclipsium have used Shodan, a search engine. Shodan is a search engine that you can browse and is commonly referred to in the security industry, the hacker's Google browser. And that engine has found over 2 million microtech routers that have one of their management interfaces exposed to the internet, such as SSH, uh, Winbox, or the HTTP API. And based on the um, on their root um, OS version of MicroTik uh, devices, they estimated that around 300,000 are vulnerable to one or more of the four previously mentioned vulnerabilities that I cited above. That's how the 300,000 number came about. The vulnerabilities, uh, vulnerable router, I should say, are spread around the world, so they're not concentrated on one continent or a region. And But the highest concentration were observed in China, in Russia and Brazil, Italy, Indonesia, and the U.S. was in eighth place, apparently. The big issue the, that you know, more outdated and vulnerable routers that don't have the management interface exposed to the entire world are likely active, which is an insecure configuration by itself. So, of course, Google, as you might have heard also on other news, has clamped down on a... Um, botnet um, organized group which is called group teba which has a module specifically for this purpose um, and that's really a proof that this has happened and it was ongoing that's a different piece of news group teller been taken down by google you should search that and actually read more about it it's more related to this um, to this news and of course if you really look at the bigger picture, it's not only a microtech that is actually being abused this way. The researchers um, looked at microtech routers because they seem to be popular target for various ITP um, groups or typical malware um, writers. However, they pointed out that the vulnerability are often found and patched in network devices all around the internet, and this includes enterprise ones. So over the past two years, there have been multiple attacks, I should point out, that exploited vulnerability in enterprise uh, VPN appliances. And there have been a number of occasions where I've mentioned in this show um, what those were about. And I should say, Microtiv has said, quote, we have tried to reach all users of Router OS about this, but many of them have never been in contact with Microtech um, and are not actively monitored devices. Um, we are working on other solutions to obviously alleviate this issue. 
um, set the company and quote. So if you really are in possession of MicroTik routers, you should really have a look at the um, link to the show note and make sure that you take care of the patch that is available as a last as much as your router is able to support. Of course, if your router is um, within that range of vulnerable um, devices version, but you are unable to um, somehow fix, um, it's really a liability for you to move on to other more secure environment rather than using a unprotected, never will be patched um, device. If you are able to patch it, then definitely this is something that you should do as soon as possible. Just when you thought it's the end of the year and you should relax, here comes a new vulnerability. This vulnerability is named Lock4 Shell and is apparently a bug that is um, referred to by other names, I'm sure. And it, it relates to a log referred to discrete logarithm as performed in the cryptographic calculation not to log file. The name lock for shell refers to the fact that this bug is present in popular Java code library called lock4j, logging for Java. And to the fact that if successfully exploited, attackers can get what is effectively called a shell, a way to run any system code of their choosing. So that's really why it's named that way. And as tweeted earlier, this is a zero-day um, vulnerability. The name for security bug that is documented before, it's, you know, the patch came out. That's why it's called a zero-day vulnerability. And it's published with it a proof of concept or called POC on GitHub so that the world can actually have a go at it, which makes it very critical um, for this to be batched. The issue at hand um, is officially obviously named now, which is the allocation of a what is called a CVE, a common vulnerability exposure number. And that number is CVE-2021, which is the year, 44228. And what it really involves is, is sending a request to a vulnerable server. And this is more a server issue in which you include some data in the um, in the HTTP header. And you then expect the, the server to actually um, write that data into a log file. So that's why the name um, log4j um, is, is alluding to. So it, it's related to an exploit of how the server locks this data that you've actually sent to. But before you obviously send that data, you kind of manipulate the data to make it a an exploit so that when the data is received in that format, the server kicks off a web download as an integral part of the, the way it actually works and the way it locks the data. And by default, unpatched version of the log4j library permits login requests to trigger a general purpose um, directory service, LDAP, basically, which is the protocol used to do a query or communication for directory services. And that allows to search um, the directory, as well as various other um, lookup. Now, the feature exists apparently in order to help you convert not very useful data, for example, user IDs such as, you know, Ibrahim Yusuf, um, from a non-readable human readable data um, so that you can make sense. 
These requests um, happen via commonly used Java toolkit known, known as JNDI, um, short for Java Naming and Directory Interface, which is a Java module that makes it easy for Java code to carry out um, online lookups, such as um, what I've mentioned about, for example. Um, now, that of course sounds a bit serious, but many servers that aren't set up that way will be able to carry out this manipulated data and therefore expose um, themselves via shell where the crooks will then take over it. What basically we're referring to is a um, an unauthenticated remote code execution um, or called RCE. And that's why really this CVE received the highest, which is critical because it is an unauthenticated and remote code executable um, vulnerability. So you can take over a server without you logging in on the other side of the globe. And without logging in or needing a password or process taken, basically the cyber criminal can commandeer and write that server to whatever one they want it to do. And depending on what sort of um, access right your server has on your internal network, um, this remote code executable um, capability um, will be able to help the criminal who landed on your server to really then go um, laterally and do other things within your organization. And as you can imagine, really, the attacker will be able to then take over the environment um, soon rather than later. Apache, which looks after the Lock4j um, product, has published an um, advisory, which I will link to this show. Um, but here's the recommended um, steps that you need to take care of at the moment. You need to upgrade to Apache Lock4j 2.15.0. If you are using, of course, Lock4j, any 2-point version from the 2.141 or earlier is apparently vulnerable by default. And if you are still using Log4j 1.x, um, that has specifically been um, declared dead um, as per the advisory from Apache, and they were not going to be fixing that. The other thing is the JNDI module that I refer to should be blocked making requests to untrusted servers. So if you cannot update, but you are using um, let's say log4j 2.10.0 or later, you can set the configuration um, in such a way that you will be able to block that request um, reply. And that will prevent the um, lightweight direct access protocol, the LDAP, and this is what I was referring to, or similar queries to be successful. So that's the second point. The third is check the Java runtime that you are using because the underlying build of Java that you have may prevent this bug from triggering based on its own default configuration. And for example, Apache explicitly lists Oracle Java ADU121 as pro providing protection against this uh, vulnerability, which again is a remote code executable. So those will be the workaround, but most importantly, definitely have a read what Apache.org has listed into their advisory and jump on this vulnerability because it cannot wait. Absolutely. Between listening to me to the end and fixing this, you should fix this first. And that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time. Take care.